Hello everyone, I'm Aurora and I'm here with Lizette. And for this episode, we're going to be interviewing Rob Hardy, who wrote The Witch's Pyramid. Now, Rob Hardy was initiated into the Alexandrian tradition in a coven in Bristol in 1971, where he was introduced into ritual magic and Kabbalah in particular. Most witches at the time were into John Dee, Alistair Crowley and the Golden Dong. And uh, this became part of his working practice with a very strong connection to the Kabbalah. In 1980, he decided to start a coven with Jan, uh, which became the coven of the Silver Wheel, which is where the Silver Line developed. They stopped working as a coven in 2004, and now they run the pagan moods and conferences and just help other people, introducing them into the Wiccan path. He has written three books, two of them are Kabbalah and one of them is about a green man. And there will be another book of Kabbalah coming out next year. Without further ado, let's go to the interview. So welcome, welcome Rob. And good evening everybody. Uh, I'm doing my best to talk slowly so you can understand what I'm saying. And before I start, I'd like to give a shout out to Velkan and Anena for all their hard work in publishing my books and for their publishing house, um, Biblica Alexandria. Um, so there you go, Lucette. So tell us a bit about what is the Witch's Pyramid? Um, the Witch's Pyramid is uh, pretty much a, a West Country term and um, it refers to the lower triangle of the Tree of Life. The Tree of Life is made up of 10 sephiroth, and um, the four at the bottom we call the Witch's Pyramid because they make a triangular shape and um, if you turn it on its side, the east side, which is the moon, is then it, uh, it's at the top and um, it forms like a little triangle and it's called the Witch's Pyramid because Witches back then tended only to use the information on um, the witch's triangle or the bottom or what they called the um, Astro Triangle and Malkuth, which is a separate um, sephiroth from the other triangle. It's a little bit complicated, but it's actually in, it actually explains it very well in the book. Yeah, what I, I love about the book is the fact that it's very practical. It's um, It's... You give everybody exercises, meditations, very practical. So from that point of view, it's better to get your hands dirty, so to speak, rather than just read the theory. And by just practicing and going through it, you find that it's easy to understand. Well, thank you for that. Um, the six path workings, um, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. Um, some of the path workings um I adapted from early pathways we did in the coven in Bristol and um, some of the ones like the 27th path um, to do with pie is ones that I I actually wrote myself um, to sort of clean them up. Like the one about fairyland was pretty much something that I was given. So they're a little bit sort of disjointed and also reflect back sort of 50 years nearly where the later books, they're more up to date and more sort of all my own work. Um, but within the sort of confines of the um, the lower triangle, you have all sorts of concepts. You have sex magic, you have the lobby of Alexandria, you have um, 
um, descent into the underworld. You have the element of fire and all what fire can do for you. You have a bit of North mythology in the 27th path. And um, you also have uh, the land of Fae, myth and legend and everything in the 28th path, which is ruled by Aquarius. Each have got either an astrological or an elemental symbol attached to them, as well as a tarot card and uh, one of the 22 Hebrew letters. So um, within that um, sphere, nearly everything, you know, like astrology, um, the astral plane, um, the ferryman, everything is sort of down there. Once you get above the lower triangle, it all gets a bit more abstract. And you're looking at more spiritual stuff and, uh, you know, trying to find your inner self and your sort of your super subconscious or holy guardian angel, which you'd find in Tipper, which is a six separate. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> Quite a packed book. <laughs> yeah. Now, you mentioned in the book The Path of the Initiate versus The Path of Devotion. Now, what is the difference? Ah, that one's probably a bit more um, easy to explain. If you're looking at it from the point of view of the Kabbalah, it means that the path of devotion is when you just use the central path. And that means you go right up the center of the tree to the, um, to the, to the sort of divine, I won't say godhead, because or goddess head or, or the sort of divinity. And you, but with the path of initiate, you travel to all the different paths and all the different sephrots to gain knowledge and experience. And it's called the path of the serpent or the path of knowledge. And you crawl up the tree and touch every word. But some people don't want to do that. They're just, magicians tend to do the path initiate. They also do the path of devotion. I mean, you do both really, you know. Um, the one is sure is based on a spiritual journey where the other one's a spiritual and knowledgeable journey. They, they wish to know you know, they they want to creep down some dark alleys and find out, you know, how things tick. So uh, that tends to be the path of the initiate, you know, or the path of wisdom, you know, that snakes up that tree. Tell us something more about how the tree of life is connected to the uh, three degrees of Wicca. Oh, that's an interesting concept. Um, in my book, you can see how I put it on a graph, but that graph was taken from my book of shadows. This was already in my book when I copied it out. I mean, the early, um, early Wicca or the early craft, um, already adopted quite a lot of, um, ritual magic and the Kabbalah. And, um, of course, the bottom triangle would be the first degree symbol and, um, the pentagram would be the second degree symbol and that covers the center of the, of the tree of life and the top triangle with the point uppermost would be um, the supernal triangle at the top of the tree, which would represent the third degree. So they all sort of intermingle. But in the West Country, we have um, we have a neophyte ritual, which is the magical grade of Earth, which is an initiation into Earth, you know. And um, that would be situated in Malkuth, the kingdom. Um, Hod, being knowledge and wisdom, would be the second, would, no, sorry, Esod coming up, would be the moon, and that would be the first degree. And it, in that, you would be contacted to um, the, the astral sea and to gateways to let energies come through and teach you. Um, the second degree would be all about knowledge and hard and learning magical languages. And um, because hard is concerned with Foth, and Foth is to do with writing. Well, I'm a drink. 
And of course, the last one on the, on the lower triangle is um, Netzat, which is to do with Venus, it's to do with emotions, it's to do with love. And of course, that would be perfect for the third degree, which is basically an act of love between the god and goddess or um, initiates, you know, to better understand by coming together, you know, um, something outside themselves, because that only happens in sex. Whether it's uh, same couple sex or not, it doesn't matter. We were also wondering, for example, if you want to start practicing, if you want to um, get Kabbalah into your practice, how do you start? Ah, good question. Um, there are lots of uh, organizations on the internet that will teach you about the Kabbalah and um, like your um, Lucette's doing um, a course on hermetics. Um, there's lots of books you can get, but the older books tend to be very Christian or, or Judeo-Christian based, which isn't helpful if you're a witch and pagan. So, but Tree of Life itself is like a vast um, filing cabinet and people can put on all the different things they want, but it's never going to impact on your own belief system. In fact, it will only reinforce it because by going down different avenues, you, you will better understand the path you're on yourself. So, as your first question said, how do you learn more about it? If you can find somebody that knows about the Kabbalah and you can work with them, that would be wonderful. But not everybody's point of view is in line with your own. So you've got to find somebody that's sympathetic to your belief system. And um, that's the best way forward. But, I mean, I worked in a magical lodge for 10 years. They're out there, you know. And um, you can pick up an awful lot. You know. But um, within within the sort of sphere of the craft there's a lot of people that practice um ritual magic and in, in by doing so they would have direct connection with what is loosely called the kabbalah the the other thing is that you mentioned in your books um about the angels and the archangels in your book yes. now for many pagans this is a stumbling block because they're still coming from that christian past and they listen to angels or they hear the word and that's just like whoa don't want anything to do with that. What what would you tell these people about the angels and the archangels to, to be able to move on and actually develop that journey? Well, there's two ways of looking at it. One is to separate your craft, your coven, from um, the Kabbalah and have a separate group for your Kabbalah to discuss and look at the concept of angels and to try to sort of give them a place in your pagan beliefs. But angels themselves go back long before Christianity. I mean, um, the mother of Jesus was visited by an angel, um, Gabriel, and uh, who led to the birth of Jesus Christ according to the concept of Christianity. But prior to Christ being born, there was no such thing as Christianity. This was a concept. So before that, it was very much a Jewish thing, angels. And if you look at Pompeii, there's pictures of angels. The Romans, pagan Romans, certainly had winged figures that, that were also messengers. According to the Oxford Dictionary, the word angel means just messenger. I can't remember the Latin. I say angelos. Angelos, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's right. Um, very useful. I mean, if you do the, I know that a lot of witches do, because it was in my book of shadows, the Kabbalistic cross. Now, the four Kabbalistic cross does invoke four angels of the quarters, but you can see them as intelligent forces that represent 
the element on a on a slightly higher plane to the sort of um, Asiatic sort of uh, plane or the or the more earthly plane. Um, but angels are great fun, you know. <laughs> yeah. Also, a lot of a lot of witches um, do also the uh, lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. Yes. Which is with the archangels as well. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, we all do. Um, we, we all do. Yes. <laughs> I mean, obviously, to balance yourself up for a ritual, I mean, you need to be, uh, your mind needs to be calm and you need to be balanced. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the Kabbalistic cross that you mentioned earlier, because I've never, I have never seen that before. And it's in your book, doing the exercise of the Kabbalistic cross. Yes. And I've, I found that really good. I was, you know, I had a few goes. It was quite amazing actually is this something then that you developed or was it given to you oh, no i mean this goes back you know to the 19th century um i'm not that old <laughs> um no this when i joined the club when i was initiated in 71 and, um, most of these things were, were already been i think I don't know if Gerald Gardner explored these as much as Alexander's, but Alexander's been a showman. He loved the ritual magic side of things, and he was a bit of a magpie, and he would take things from here or there and drop them in. But people that come after him, they really made good use of them. You know, they didn't use them as a, as a stage prop, but used them as they should have been used, as a spiritual aid for balance and perception. Yeah, that probably explains it. I come from the Gardnerian line. <laughs> so. well, the two are pretty much intertwined anyway. I mean, the older yeah. ones have worked with both camps, you know. Yeah, I think it depends really on uh, how eclectic you are. Because I know a lot of people, so a lot of weekends that actually work with the Kabbalistic Cross as well, and with uh, some, let's say, some, some things developed by Crowley, or at least being popular after Crowley. Yeah, Uncle Crowley gets in all over the place, you know. Again, you know, you can't help but be a serious magical operator without sort of um, crossing Crowley's threshold and going into his inner ear. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> but Crowley anatomy everywhere. You know. And uh, yeah, then the last question that we had for you, and then we can, of course, go on. It's if you have to use the Clefot, if you use the Clefot, and if this is something uh, mandatory when you're working with the Sephiroth. The interesting one, I did a piece at the back of the book about the clip-off, and um, I'll just raise a little bit out, um, I've got it in the back here. But it says, you know, do not look upon monsters, or you become a monster. I mean, the clip-off is um, the reverse image of the tree. It's like the dark mirror of the tree. Where you have love, you have bitter hatred. Where you have sort of um, plenty, you have hunger. I mean, it's all the negativity of the tree, because each sephirot has a negative and positive side. That positive side can be reflected in the clip-off. If you imagine a tree upside down underneath, that's the clip-off. No one would, would venture down there, you, not unless you've got a, a very strong base in the Kabbalah studies to start with, because it's, um, it's more an exercise in intellectualizing the tree and looking at the, the sort of negative sides of things. Um, for instance, Malkuth's voice is uh, inertia. In other words, it's it wants you to do nothing. You know, to move forward, you've got to sort of move forward. So the curse of that is to be comfortable where you are and not actually move forward, you know, which is uh, also, I think, one of the sort of faults of, of Yisod and glamour. So, um, I always try to understand how can you actually put them in your practice because... 
they they seem very scary. <laughs> Normally, when you read about them, the Clifford, yeah, the Clifford. How do you put them in, in, into practice? Because you for don't. them to exist, well, I we don't. don't. I've never known anyone use the Clifford in a ritual. Oh. They're, they're, me as well. This is why I'm so curious because I've never heard something like that. Just, I know they exist. I think some very clever people. Well, all, none of it exists really. I mean, it, it only exists in your mind. Like everything only exists in your mind. Yeah, but that, that's quite enough, isn't it? But going back to the clip off, it's something I would advise people not to delve too much into. Not unless they're pretty much sort of, you know advanced in magical practices and even then you know you've got to be careful um does that answer your question at all i mean we yeah, don't no 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 that was it because it, it for me they they were always very fascinating i the first time i found them was in a crowley book which was three to one i think mm -hmm. and uh, then you have all yeah. the explanations and it's uh, it, it seems quite as you said it seems like you really have to be prepared because it's um it looks like let's say serious serious things can happen so i'm just wondering because i never knew somebody that actually did a ritual as you said or used them i was wondering if if you have any experience or you heard i don't know you, you heard the story or something it's interesting that you know where you have um angels can represent the sephiroth um of course in the clip off it's represented by devils so you're working with demonic forces or um, misaligned forces or shells and where all the, the life energy has been sucked out and all is left as hate. Um, it's, um, uh, but people of a, of a dark nature probably um, would love to get down in there and have a good old scooter around. But uh, there, are, there are protections in place for these people. You know, they probably won't get their hands burnt too badly because, you know, they're not alone in the universe, let's put it like that. Yes, true. <clears throat> I was always wondering if you're, to what extent you're actually allowed to do things. Where is this limit where um, the, the balance returns anyways? Well, you've only, you're only limited by your own imagination, really. Not unless there's no one going to fetter you for doing what you do in private. Um, so if you're foolish enough to sort of put your hand in a fire, you'll get burnt, you know. You won't want to repeat the exercise to you know too soon would you not unless you got some sort of perverse sort of uh, joy of uh, wrecking your life and becoming depressed you know? i mean it's no way question you know light and dark negative and positive you know in the seed of each is the darkness or light of the other you know uh, it's, it's an interesting concept that the the kether of the clip hop which is right at the bottom it's um its voice is um atheism for you know to believe in nothing is the worst thing that you could possibly do. Is there anything else you would like to add about the yeah. book? Well the book itself is written um as an introduction to the tree. Um I was asked to write it. A lot of people said, Why don't you put down in writings your experiences of, of path working? And I said, well, I've not got a lot of experience above the large triangle. And um, so I said, I'd write a book. But since then, I've done a lot more study. And, of course, we have worked um, above the lower triangle. Um, rituals, you can take a sephirot and become, it, it can become a ritual itself. A sephirot is an experience. The paths between are like sort of journeys to better understand that experience. So the book itself is, is, is the first part of three books. And um, when all three are published, the last one's not been published, it's being published. 
um, you will have all the 22 path workings and all the different experiences that I've put in the book. So you might want to rewrite your own path workings. Um, the clues are, of course, the tarot card that's on it, the, 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 the astrological symbols, um, the gods and gods, uh, goddesses you can find on that path. They've all got them all listed in, uh, in Kabbalistic aphorisms. Um, and you, by reading the book, I hope it will give somebody an interest in, in the Kabbalah again and ritual magic for those that, you know, wish to follow that path. It's not everyone's path. I mean, we're not after recruits, you know, it's not like sort of, uh, um, sort of some sort of drive to get everyone to do ritual magic. It's not for everybody. Well, it's certainly more accessible. The Kabbalah is definitely more accessible with this book. I found, having read several books on Kabbalah and sometimes struggled to understand what they were on about. Uh, certainly your book, I find it is definitely that um, incentive to do it, to do the practice and then find out afterwards, see what if you can read theory somewhere and it might make more sense. That's yeah, it's also very clear, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, the I'm coming at it from uh, um, a witch's point of view, a pagan witch. And um, the earlier books were all usually written by Christians. And they always trying to find Jesus in the, in the sort of, uh, in the sort of tapestry something. <laughs> yes. And the great problem was about the dark night of the soul. And they say, you know, it's practically impossible to go up through the tree because their Christian guilt is the thing that holds them back. And until they sort of break through that, um, they will never really be that successful. Funny enough, pagans find it a lot easier because they're not hampered by so many different theories. Like, you know, man was born into sin, you know, and women are sin and things like that are not helpful, you know. And the first angel you meet is actually feminine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Great sandal fall. Yeah, so what would, what does the, the other books hold then? Well, the second, the second book is out, and it's called The Witch's Hexagram. It covers the centre of the path. It's called The Hexagram because the sun is in the centre, being Tiferet, and there's six Sephiroth around it, and they all represent um, one of the other six planets. So they all represent a planet. Um, so all the path workings and the cards that are associated with are in that book, and it gives you an insight into working farther up the tree and looks at concepts like uh, aim, which is the great eye, like the eye of Mordor. Um, also, the card is the devil, so it looks at... So the path working I've given you looks at um, working with the devil, um, whether it's a Christian concept or whether the devil is Pan and it's a pagan concept of the horned god. The two are, are, are cleverly interwoven in the path working, where you come out at the end of the path working in Tipra, where things balance themselves up and you realise there are a bit of devilment in witches, but basically they like the fun of the devil, but they actually worship the horned god, which is a totally different concept, you know. But that's just one path in, in the eight paths that are in the second book. But each one has, like, uh, the Wheel of Fortune. You look at Fortuna and you look at the, the turning of the seasons. And there's also, there's some really yummy ones there. There's, um, of course, um, the 26th path, which is uh, the path of death. Um, the tarot card is death. And uh, the Hebrew symbol rep represents, you know, a fish. And... Uh, None, <laughs> and it's all to do with um, dying and uh, going in, into the 
into the sort of morsel of the end, whatever, then being reborn and um, you meet death as well, don't it? which is quite cool. But it's like the path itself tells you, tries to make you understand that you've not got an infinite amount of time. And um, if you realise you're dead, all the things you should have done when you were alive or, you know, kindness you could have done, it, it's that sort of psychological looking at yourself and um, also coming to terms with things like death. And uh, death is only the beginning. You know, A true said. witch's journey. Yes, that all the paths on the second book are sort of, um, make, they're more paths to make you think about yourself and um, also paths to slightly strip your personality. So what you've become, you want to become something better. So it's also on a, a chemical sort of journey um, to sort of take away some of the worst aspects of yourself. Or if you can't take them away, at least master them, you know, at least some of the time when you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And what about the third book? Ah, that's talking about the supernal triangle. We're talking about... Um, uh, Chokma, Binna, and Kether, or Binna, Chokma, and Kether. You're talking about the great mother, the great, the great um, womb of space. You're talking about the great sort of um, phallic god of, uh, that impregnates the matter and um, thought and everything. And of course, Kether, you're talking about, you know, Godhead itself or what the universe itself, the force, if you like, you know, that, that is um, basically. You are Kether, you know, this is your ultimate goal to sort of become one with yourself and understand your connection. It's a bit like being in state of Zen, I suppose. Um, they're great fun as well because um, I've tried to make them lightweight so people can accept them and understand them. But it's only my point of view um, and people can make up their own. You know. Of course, we've also got some of the concepts of Darth in there, which is the hidden Sephiroth. Yeah. So it's the 11th Sephiroth, which doesn't exist, but it sort of does. So you'll find that on the 13th path. That's in the last book. And um, it's wonderful because it's all to do with the uh, high priestess. It's all to do with the moon and um, powers of the moon. And it, it's um, and the camel, of course, you wind on, which is because uh, the Hebrew summer is Gimel, which is the camel. And it's only with the camel you can go forward. You know, and, uh, there's a clue in the Bible when it says, you know, about camels going for the eye of uh, a needle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. I'd like to thank you both very much for being so kind and patient and uh, not falling to sleep. And, uh, <laughs> no, Rob, it was really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The subject is, is very, you can get very quickly bogged down because it's such a vast subject. I mean, it's it's... It's huge. I mean, just Malkuth alone is huge. I mean, it, it, it's um, so it's my books are trying to make it simple and to get a grasp on it and to understand it. You, know. you did it. And, yeah, uh, you absolutely. Did it. You really did it. Because as, as Luzette was saying, I tried to read some books and uh, I also got the Zohar recently. And it's really complicated. But your books were very logical. So... If you want to find more information, anyways, you, you understand why you want to find more information, and it's something very clear. So you did a great job. Well, we really you. liked your book. It's very yeah. kind. Um, uh, the book itself is doing quite well. I think we sold out in Poland, so because it's been printed in Polish as well, so that's quite good. You know? mm -hmm. So, uh, but it's very kind of you to give me a sort of platform to talk about the book. 
and um, you know it's our pleasure and yeah. thank you so much for accepting yeah thank you so much and uh, yes we're looking forward to the rest of the books I certainly want to read the rest of them yes. <laughs> and, and practice the meditations and remember in your rituals if you don't have fun the gods don't come <laughs> The gods won't visit your coven if you're a lot of miserable people. You're going to remember that. Nokian magic or whether it's candle work. On top of it, you've got to have fun and you've got to see the joy and sometimes laugh at yourself. And the gods will then join you, you know, in your, your feasting. Yes. Such a good advice. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly believe that, definitely. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I work with people that are so serious. <laughs> yes. So remember, everybody, uh, there is the uh, advice from Rob Hardy to have fun when you're doing your rituals. <laughs> Absolutely. That was Rob Hardy talking about his book, The Witch's Pyramid. I hope you enjoyed that interview. We're always looking for other writers who might want to appear in this podcast. So if you have a book and you would like to be interviewed, just give us an email at pagandon at paganfederation.co.uk. Yeah, and until next time. Stay tuned for the next episode. Blessed be. Until next time. Just keep reading. Just keep reading. Just, just keep reading. Just keep reading. No. It's just not that reading. easy. <laughs> Let's try with it. Just keep reading. Just keep reading. Just keep reading. Just keep reading. Sounds weird now. <laughs>